student camp is about on us. On July the 21st, all the way through the July 25th, uh, if you're in 6th through 12th grade, we are going to go to Level Up Camp, and it's going to be awesome, and I'm excited for you to be there. Uh, if uh, you are in 6th through the 12th grade and you are not yet signed up, uh, registered to be part of student camp, encourage you to go to the uh, Grand Lobby and the information desk, ask how do I sign up, or you can go to firstnorfolk.org students and register that way. It's going to be a great week. I, I'm excited about being there with you. I know that uh, other, uh, others of us are going to be excited about being with our students that week. It's going to be fantastic. Um, if you are not going, you have a responsibility as much as those who are going. This week, uh, we're a church that prays together. We pray at one o'clock for one minute for one thing. And uh, just as we prayed for Vacation Bible School, I want us at one o'clock set aside at least one minute and pray this one thing. Lord, draw students and their families to yourself through student camp. We prayed this for Vacation Bible School, and we saw over 60 uh, people come to faith in Jesus Christ, children and students. Uh, over 60 people come to faith in Christ. Let's, let's pray this prayer faithfully as a church, and let's see what God can do. Uh, and this Tuesday night, we're getting together for our uh, monthly prayer gathering in the chapel at 630. Encourage you to join me there. It's going to be a great time as we lift uh, our petitions and our intercessions and our praise to the Lord. Um, it, it begins at 630. It goes for about an hour uh, where we devote that time to pray. Uh, and so I want to encourage you, be here at the chapel, 630 Tuesday night. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful time as we do battle for God's glory uh, in prayer. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 6. Uh, we are looking at the mission that God has given us as followers of Jesus. We know that when we are connected to Jesus, uh, we serve God's glory on mission in our world. That's what Jesus did. As a follower of Jesus, you do what Jesus did. That's what it means to follow Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, you do what Jesus did. You go where Jesus sends. You say what Jesus says. And in order to be a faithful follower of Jesus, we must fulfill the mission. The mission of Jesus was to take the good news of God's reign to the world, that, that people who are broken by sin, separated from God by sin, could be made whole through Jesus Christ. And that is the mission that he gives us. We who have, look, everybody look. If you were lost in sin, empty, incomplete, broken, dead in sin, and somewhere in this journey, you saw that Jesus, who is God, become flesh. You saw Jesus as one who died in your place on a cross for your sin. And you, drawn by the Spirit of God, began to believe on Jesus so that you said, Jesus, will you rescue me? And you asked 
for the death of Jesus to be applied to your account in the sight of God. And you cried out in faith and you turned from your sin and you trusted in Jesus and you were lost, but when you met Jesus, you were found. You were dead, but you were made alive in Christ. You were blind, but when you met Jesus, you could see Everything changed. If that is who you are, and if you're anything less than that, you're not yet a follower of Jesus. Being a follower of Jesus is not being a church person. We got a lot of members of a lot of churches that don't know Jesus. And they're lost in their sin, and they're still dead in their trespasses, and they're still searching and broken. There's still hope, but they're still broken. We're not talking about coming to First Baptist Church in Norfolk and saying, all right, I'm all that and more. No, 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 no. We're talking about this supernatural event where God got hold your life. And he drew you to himself. And you turned from your sin. You trusted in Jesus. And you know that that transaction of God's great grace has changed you from the inside out. If that's who you are. You're connected to Jesus in that way. Please understand. There is something within you that demands you go on mission every single day. Y'all know I like desserts, right? Desserts. Not desert, desserts. I like desserts. Uh, I don't like just any dessert. Like if you put a coconut anything in front of me, I'm not going to eat that. Uh, you, you put, you, put uh, you know, these fancy things like, uh, you know, just a regular cheesecake. Why would I want to expend my calories on a cheesecake? But if you put anything chocolate in front of me and it add a little peanut butter to it, dude, I'm eating the whole thing and then some more. You know, we go through jars of, pe- jars of peanut butter at my house in a week, right? I mean, we, I... I'm digging some peanut butter and some chocolate. So y'all know I love desserts. I love desserts. And I like to share the joy of my desserts with others. I don't share my desserts. I share the joy of my desserts with others. I want you to know how excited I am to eat this dessert. Edie made this. uh, um, She's made it before she makes it. She didn't make it for me. She made it for our uh, son-in-law. Um, and it's a, a chocolate chip kind of big thing, and it's like a pie, chocolate chip pie. You cut it in like pie squares, and then on top of that, she put Reese peanut butter cups. So it's chocolate chip and then Reese peanut butter cups, and <laughs> fired up. I'm excited, right? Happy 4th. That was happy 4th of July, all right? So I love to talk about it. I love to share about that. But that's just food. If Jesus has changed your life, if he's really changed your life, you got to talk about it. You got to share. You got to tell. You got to be on mission. Now, that is the message that we're looking at today. We've been looking at the mission, and 
And it, it, just get to the bottom line. The bottom line mission for First Norfolk, the reason we're here and the reason we've been here for over 200 years is simple. Get people to Jesus. Because we believe Jesus is the answer. Right? And so our mission is not to make you sure that you're having a good time at church. I want you to have a good time, but that's not our mission. Our mission is not to, not to feed you some intellectual blah, 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 so that you're smarter. I, I want you to be intelligent and all that kind of stuff. I'm a PhD myself, a real PhD, not some make-believe PhD. I real, really actually had to do it and write it and got the dissertation. So I'm a big fan of that stuff, but that's not our mission. Our mission is not to make you smarter. Our mission, our church's mission is to get people to Jesus because we believe that only Jesus can change lives. Take those who are empty, make them whole. All right, so looking at the passage today, Mark chapter 6, it's a summary, a summary passage. Mark chapter 6, verses 53 and following. Says, when they, that's Jesus and the disciples, had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and they anchored there. And when Jesus and the disciples came out of the boat, here it is, immediately people recognized Jesus. And they ran through that whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he entered into villages, cities, or country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces. And begged Jesus that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. As we break this passage apart, there are a couple of things. And and we're not going to deal with the summary statements as much as we're going to deal with the big picture. The big picture is this. In Gennesaret, there were people who knew that they were broken. And they couldn't fix themselves. But they heard about Jesus And how Jesus healed the sick and caused the lame to walk and the blind to see. Next chapter, he takes a a deaf person and gives him hearing so that everybody says he has done everything well. And and, and they knew that this Jesus is the same Jesus who fed uh, 5,000 people. And in the next chapter, he's going to feed Uh, uh, In chapter 8, he's going to feed uh, 4,000 people again. They knew that this was Jesus who could do amazing, miraculous, God-sized things. And so, when they heard he was on the shores of their territory, they immediately began to race toward him, to find him. Now, the picture is pretty uh, amazing. They They would take people who were sick, broken. They would take sick people, and if they heard that Jesus was in uh, Norfolk, they would pick up those people who were sick, and they would run to Norfolk with the sick people. And then if he had left Norfolk and gone down to Suffolk, they would pick those sick people, and they would race from Norfolk down to Suffolk. And, and then they would go over to Pungo if they had to, or, or, or back over into Moyock if they had to, or, or come back over this way and, and into Chesapeake, or, or over into Portsmouth, or, or Hampton. They, wherever they were, wherever Jesus was, that's where they wanted to get, because they knew that Jesus was the only one who could fix what's broken. There's a nursery rhyme that reminds me of this passage. It's... it's uh, it may be, you might not have heard it before. It may be unfamiliar. It begins, Humpty 
Y'all know it? Humpty. Yeah. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. One of the things we need to understand when we look at this passage and when we look at ourselves and when we look at our world is we need to see the brokenness of our world. We need to see the brokenness. We are all Humpty Dumpties. Our world is Humpty Dumpty. Our world is broken. The people here, they knew that they were broken. They didn't have a cure for themselves. They couldn't fix it themselves. Look, in my house, our air conditioner, we have an air conditioner on the bottom floor, air conditioner on the top floor. Uh, Air conditioner on the bottom floor went out. I didn't try to fix it. I called somebody, Keith Baytock, here in the church. Keith, can you come? He came and he fixed it. A week later, air conditioner on the top floor went out. I was tempted to try to fix it, but I didn't even know where to look. I called Keith, or Edie called Keith and said, uh, need to come see us again. And he fixed it. When something's broke, you go to somebody who knows what they're doing to fix what's broken. If you're an electrician, you will be called to come fix my electricity. If you're a plumber, I'm calling Philip Herring. <laughs> yes, he's the man. No, I, look, I try to mess with plumbing. You know what happens? I ruin everything. Same with electricity. I burn things down. I tried to change a fan in my, one of the rooms in my house uh, and I got the wires wrong. There's still a black mark up there, right? <laughs> Look, when something's broken, you know it. And you got to go to someone to fix it. What we need to understand, and maybe you don't understand this yet, but you're broken. And you're broken because you've sinned. And sin is what breaks us. And not only us, sin has broken the world. The people here in this passage, they knew that they were broken. Now, they might not have placed it on sin, but they knew that there was something not right. Have you ever lived in a certain series of your life, and you look back, and you say, man, there's just something not right there. They knew something wasn't right. They knew that they couldn't fix what wasn't right. They didn't even know how to diagnose it. But they saw that Jesus could be the guy. You and I come here today, and we are in this place, and maybe you're here because you're just trying to find something to fix what's broken in you. You recognize that there's brokenness. Today, we need to understand that there's brokenness. Now, sin is what breaks us, all right? Sin has broken the world. You realize this, right? The reason we have hurricanes, tornadoes, uh, tectonic shifts, earthquakes, the reason we have sickness and disease, that's not the way it was created, but that's what happened in Genesis chapter 3 when humanity chose sin instead of obedience to God. And in that moment, all creation began to suffer. I mean, the created world began to suffer. And since that time, all creation, the created world, is longing, literally straining her neck for the day when Jesus returns and makes all things right. Creation knows it's broken. 
In Romans chapter 8, verse 22, it says, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors in birth pangs from then until now. There, there is a symphony of sighs in creation, longing to be made right. We're broken. We need to be made right. And they know that only God can do that. In the same way, you and I are broken. Ephesians 2, we're dead in our sin and trespass. We are dead. That's broken. We are separated from the promises of God and the covenant of Israel. We are broken. We're living without hope because we're living without God in this world. We are broken. We're broken down because our sin has separated us from God. Sin destroys us. When we look at this passage and people scrambling around trying to get to Jesus because they understood that they were broken. Now, there are people around you and they've got problems. They've got a whole world of problems. And there are problems that we try to help them with. We have wonderful counselors and, and, and uh, 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 therapists who can do a lot of great things to help. And they do, and, and I, I, I've, been a, been, I've been a beneficiary of great therapy and, and wonderful things. Like I'm, so I'm a, I'm a fan of that. But at core, and if I have a broken leg, look, I'm going to a doctor, right? I'm going to a physician because that physician's going to help me do what needs to be done to that leg. So I'm not denying those things are real and right and, and proper and beneficial and helpful and needing, needful. But at core, the basic problem that you and I have is sin against a holy God. And our sin has separated us from God. Sin is our problem and we need a solution that can deal with our sin and that's Jesus. God sent Jesus as the answer to the world's brokenness. God sent Jesus to be the answer to the world's brokenness. If you and I want to find fullness of life, we get to Jesus. The people in this passage understood that. They understood that even though, even though they had sickness that they couldn't fix, they believed that Jesus could. So friends, today, please hear this. The answer that God has given us for our brokenness and the world's brokenness is Jesus. Amen. We have in Jesus everything we need for a whole, full, satisfied, meaningful life. Jesus is God's answer. For a broken world. So today, I want you to hear what was happening in this passage. People are broken, and they're going out of their way. They're striving. They're doing everything they can to get to Jesus. Everything. There, there, there is no labor too hard to get to Jesus because they believe that Jesus is the answer. Oh, that and their faith, I mean, they begged Jesus, just let us touch the hem of your garment. Their faith was not a full faith. It wasn't a, it wasn't a complete faith, but it was, it was a simple faith. If I can just get to Jesus, he's going to help me. 
You know, followers of Jesus, brothers and sisters, can I just say, maybe we become so educated in our life that we forget this simple faith. If I can just get to Jesus, he's going to help me. There's a formula that we see. And, and by the way, every miracle we see in Scripture is a metaphor for a deeper problem and more, more profound need. There was something going on that was deeper than just healing um, uh, malaria, which is probably what most of these people had. And they would die from malaria. And, and, and so most of them had malaria, and, and, and they needed more than just healing from malaria, but they didn't need less than that. Every miracle that Jesus performed was a metaphor, a signpost of something greater, that God had sent his answer to brokenness in the person of Jesus. And every time Jesus ministered to people and among people, he was, hel- he was a hands-on help. He didn't stand in some, some sanctimonious place with, uh, you know, shining lights, you know, these, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, pure white robe, don't touch me, don't touch me, don't touch me, stay away from me, I'm holy, you're not. No, Jesus got down and dirty with the people. He said, come here, let me help. Come here, let me help. Why? Because he had divine power. And that divine power was coupled with his divine compassion. And when you have divine power and divine compassion meeting you where you are, you'll have everything you need. Not everything you want, but everything you need. And Jesus has come to fix what's broken in us. And ultimately, that brokenness is our sin. And sin is what separates us from God. Sin is what kills us on the inside. Sin is our disobedience to God, and every person here is guilty of it. And every person here has been broken by sin. But God sent Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent Jesus on a mission to rescue sinners like you and me, to Take what's broken and make us whole. Jesus said it this way. He said, I've I've come that you might have life and have it to the fullest measure. Jesus came to give us that kind of full life. And it can only come through Jesus. You're not going to get a full life apart from Jesus. You're still going to be stuck in your sin. You're still going to be broken. Jesus is God's answer to brokenness. And if, if you haven't experienced it yet, if, if you haven't experienced it yet, if you haven't experienced that, um, that wondrous change, um, Jesus in John 3 called it a new birth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he calls it being a new creation. Uh, in Ezekiel, it says a new heart. <laughs> I, I, if, if you haven't experienced that, then my prayer for you today is that you would allow the Spirit of God through the Word of God to draw you to Jesus. Where you can say, Jesus, I don't get everything, but I do know this. You're my only hope. Jesus, I know that I've sinned against God. My sin has separated me from God, and I'm not fit for God's family. But Jesus, you've promised that, that you would die for my sin and your death on the cross was payment for my sin to make me fit for 
God's family. So, Jesus, I don't get all of this, but here's what. I admit that I'm a sinner, and I believe that you're my only hope, and I'm asking you to take charge of my life. Forgive my sin and make me whole. You don't have to have all the answers. You just need to take hold of the one who does. His name is Jesus. If you haven't done that yet, my prayer is today you would do that. If you have done it, here's here's the application. So all that stuff is great, but here's the application. You're a follower of Jesus. You have been... You have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You were dead in your sin, but now you're made alive in Christ Jesus. You have been made whole. In Jesus, you have found your brokenness obliterated, and you have a full life today. That's who you are. Well, you've got a mission. It ain't just so you can sit on your haunches and say, woo-woo, I'm saved. As a follower of Jesus, that means that you and I are called to be on mission, and that mission is simple. We must get people to Jesus. We must get people to Jesus. Person you go to work with. And it's interesting, the description here in verse, uh, verse, 30, verse, 30, uh, verse 56, it says, wherever Jesus went, whether it's villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplace. The marketplace there is Agora. That's where everybody, that the community center of the town. That's the centerpiece of town. It's where everybody got, it's where children played. It's where business was taken uh, care of. It's, it's where you got your food. It, it, was, it was everything, the marketplace. And so they weren't, they weren't doing it in secret. They were out loud. They say, dude, I am in need. I need help. Here's Jesus. Jesus, help. Will you help? Will you help? This is person. He needs help. Will you help him? Jesus, please, just let us touch the hem of your garment. They weren't trying to do it secretly. They weren't trying to do it in, I mean, they knew in desperation, they knew that their only hope was Jesus. You have family members, you have friends, you have coworkers, you have classmates, you have people that you meet on the street. There are people in your home right now, and they need Jesus, and you, you haven't said anything. You're not trying to help them. You're just saying, well, that's a private matter. Uh, Yeah. I guess. But I can tell you one thing. If I love somebody, I'm going to invade their private space and I'm going to talk to them. Look, I've raised four daughters. Well, Edie raised them and I participated. Four daughters, that, they're great, but that ain't easy. I have three brothers. I, didn't, I don't have any sisters. So I got married and then started having these girls, and I'm like, I'm dumb as mud. Don't understand. I don't understand them. I, I understand some things, but I don't understand a lot of things. And, and so, you know. A lot of challenges to that. Me trying to bridge the distance between what their needs are and who I am and how I've been raised. Those, those are worlds apart. They made me a better, a better husband. They made me a better uh, person. They made me a better pastor. They changed me. Um, 
But there were seasons and times where they didn't want to talk to me about stuff. Yeah, they have these little things. Cell phones. They text along and they say this stuff, that stuff. They act like, well, that's my privacy. No. You are my daughter. You don't have privacy from me. Right? So if you're not invading that space, I want them to know that they're, look, I'll respect you, but you need to understand I respect you enough to tell you the truth. That sin is going to kill you and Jesus can save you and you've got to hear this. And every single daughter, we've had that conversation. I have two granddaughters and it's easy. But there's going to be a day when I'm going to have the conversation with them. Their parents are going to have the conversation, but I'm going to have the conversation. Why? Because that's my mission and because I love them. And because Jesus loves them, and I believe that Jesus wants to make them whole, and they're not going to be made whole while they sit in silence over here thinking that they're doing life okay, but still broken, and they need Jesus to be made whole. See, I believe, and I I hope you believe this too, I believe that the only answer to their broken life, broken relationship, broken finances, broken, broken, the only answer is Jesus. So I got to get them to Jesus. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men, they couldn't put Humpty together again. And we're just like Humpty Dumpty and creation's just like Humpty Dumpty. We've tried all these different things to put our lives back together again and it doesn't work. But Jesus does. And our mission is to get people to Jesus. Back in January of 2010, there was a 7.0 7.0 earthquake that hit Haiti and Port-au-Prince and, and that whole country was um, devastated. Um, there was a young 17-year-old teenager named Darlene Etienne who went to her cousin's apartment to study. And she had just gotten there when the earthquake hit. And if you remember back there, January 12, 2010, it, it devastated the whole city of Port-au-Prince and surrounding region. I mean, devastated. It, there wasn't anything left. Darlene's family thought she was dead. The, the surviving family members thought she was dead. They, they didn't hear any reports, and they had checked all the places that they should check, and They just thought, she's gone. Until January 27th. January 27th, 2010, a man was scrambling over some of the rubble, and he heard a faint cry. Just a little little louder than a whisper, help me. The man heard that faint cry, And he ran over and he peeked through the rubble and the steel and the concrete and he saw these eyes looking at him. And the eyes of Darlene Etienne. For 15 days she was trapped right there. No food, no water, unable to move. She was trapped under the steel. She was broken. For 15 days she could hear people pass by. She could hear 
the work being done to clean away the rubble for 15 days until finally that faint cry caught the ear of one man and he moved to her rescue. Darlene, a year later, was interviewed by NBC News and they wrote the article and she was fine, wonderful. But I want you to hear her description, just a sentence or two. She said, I could hear people passing by and I thought they were going to rescue me. But it was never me that they were going to rescue. 15 days. Knowing she needed to be rescued. And no one there to help. My prayer for you and for me is that today and tomorrow and the next day. As we go to work, as we go home, as we go to the marketplace. My prayer is that we would tune our ears to hear even the faintest cry of someone needing rescue and that we would move to help. Today, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, my prayer is that you and I would take seriously our commitment to this mission. Let's get people to Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me, please? These next few moments, my prayer is that if you are here and you have not yet been rescued by God's grace through faith in Jesus, if you have not experienced that transformation of your heart and life, if you're still stuck in the broken place, hopeless, I invite you to come to Christ. I invite you to come and meet Jesus. I invite you to come and experience the new life that he offers. And my prayer for you in these moments is that um, if that's who you are, if you know that you need to experience a new life in Christ, my prayer for you is that God would give you the courage you need to step out from where you're seated and come down to one of the ministers here at the front or go to the information desk in the Grand Lobby and just say, this is who I, I need I need Jesus. I don't understand all of it, but this is what, will you help me? Will you share with me? I just want you to know I've been praying for you that God would do a mighty work of his grace in your life and make you brand new. If you're a follower of Jesus, my prayer for you is that you would join me with a burden that bleeds through every moment of every second of every day. A burden to get people to Jesus so that they can be made whole. Now, Father, in these moments of celebration, confession, response, and praise, my request is that you would work your mercy and grace in our lives. Draw to yourself those whom you are calling. 
and embolden us to be faithful to the mission you've given us.